Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind, should old acquaintance be forgot and auld lang syne. In many parts of the world at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, you will hear a chorus of the song Auld Lang Syne, which roughly means farewell to times gone past or for the sake of old times. It's a way to bid adieu to the past year and to look forward to the new year. And it asks the question, is it right that old times be forgotten? New Year's Day is often seen as a time to make change, to begin something new. This year at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, we will have Epiphany Star Words that you can pick up for the first few weeks of January. A word to focus on in the coming year to help you rephrase your understanding of your faith and life. So the story of the birth of Jesus is the story of a young, inconsequential peasant family having a baby in a stable surrounded by animals and then visited by shepherds and announced by angels in heaven. The birth of the Savior, the birth of the Messiah, the birth of the King, and it happened in this way. A star led the way to where Jesus lay, and magi from the east followed the star to Jesus. On their way, they stopped to visit King Herod, the king of Jerusalem, and asked where the baby was born, who was born king of the Jews. They wanted to know where was he at. Now, Herod is not the right person to ask this question. Herod was a snake. He was obsessed with power. Herod began rising to power through relationships with Julius Caesar and then was appointed a ruler of Judea by Mark Antony in 41 BCE. He ruled around the same time that Cleopatra was queen of Egypt. Herod captured Jerusalem and then proclaimed himself the king. He executed members of his own family, including his wife and his sons. So when Herod said he wanted to know where this child was that the Magi were visiting so that he could pay homage to him as well, well, that's not what he intended. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem, who were two years old or under according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. 
But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is a story that we tend to gloss over when it comes to telling the Christmas story. I mean, who wants to hear about the birth of Jesus and then the deaths of so many children at the hands of a tyrant, a monster, a man so concerned with holding on to power that he thought nothing of ordering the deaths of innocent children? The song Coventry Carol, it's known as the darkest of the Christmas carols. It was written from the perspective of these mothers who were singing to their children, children who would soon be killed by Herod's evil decree. The absolute heartache of these mothers comes forth in this haunting carol. It's a song that is supposed to evoke strong emotions, feelings of deep grief and loss and the utter unfairness of all of it. It's a song that we rarely sing in church, along with this text that is so often not spoken of. It doesn't fit in with the image of the season that we want to portray. Grief and heartache and pain and loss, we don't want that around this season. Because during the Advent and Christmas seasons, we often focus on nostalgia and coziness and warmth and Hallmark-esque perfection. We think of the beautiful Christmas story and we forget about all the other stuff that came with it, that came surrounding it. Christmas this year in Bethlehem looks so much different than Christmas's past. There are no lights, no large celebrations, no giant manger scene. Instead, at the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church in Bethlehem, we see the image of baby Jesus lying in the rubble. It's a stark reminder of the destruction that's happening in other parts of the world right now. And in the midst of the rubble though, Jesus is there. This is the hope to which we cling, that Jesus is there in the rubble with us. Jesus is there in the brokenness with us. Jesus is there when we mourn the loss of loved ones, when we face an unexpected or unwanted medical diagnosis, when we fight with our siblings and parents and spouses and friends or children, when we see things that we wish we could unsee, when it seems as if people have lost their sense of humanity, Jesus is there with us. When our holiday celebrations aren't the same because our kids get older and they're no longer in the house or they have other people to celebrate with or life has just changed, Jesus is there with us. Now, I get simply saying that Jesus is there with us doesn't mean that everything's going to be all rainbows and roses and it's all going to be all better. It doesn't mean that things will be the way that we want them to be. It won't change things that have happened. But it tells us that we're not alone. And knowing that we aren't alone when we're trying to pick up the pieces of our lives amidst the rubble, that brings hope. 
hope to begin again, hope to heal brokenness, hope that the light shining in the darkness will light our paths, hope that maybe the pain that we might be feeling won't be so consuming all the time. We have hope that if we don't forget the past, if we don't forget the things that have happened, maybe, maybe we can do better. Maybe we will do our best to prevent tragedies like what happened to the children of Bethlehem from happening again. If you're super excited about the new year and the holiday season, if you are super bummed out because life is just really rough, whatever it is, embrace what does bring you peace and joy and cheer during this time. Embrace the things that do make the season kind of perfect for you, even if that perfection is just for a moment. Embrace the things that bring a smile to your face and warmth to your heart. Maybe rephrase what a perfect Christmas season, what a perfect new year looks like for you. Is it different than the image you might have in your mind? Is it more realistic? What is it? What brings you hope? Where is God in the rubble for you? Where is hope and promise amidst grief for you? Where do you see God showing up? All of these questions can also help you rephrase what it means to be a follower of Christ in this world. As we enter into this new year, wherever you're at in life, may you rejoice in the good news from God, that God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, that God is always with us, no matter where we're at. And to end how we began, for Auld Lang Syne, my dear, for Auld Lang Syne, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for Auld Lang Syne. Amen. Amen.